All right, does anybody else want to leave before I get to <laughs> Well, if you have your Bibles, find Genesis 14. And we have some uh, sermon outlines. Uh, does anybody not have one that wants one? Just, just raise your hand. Andy, we have some. Right, right, yeah, right over here on, on your right. Uh, anybody else? Just raise your hand if you would like a sermon outline. All right. You got everybody? Oh, okay. All right. Genesis chapter 14. And uh, for our text today, I want to begin reading in verse 16 of Genesis 14. Genesis 4, chapter 14, verse 16. It says, Abraham had brought back all the possessions and kinsmen, Lot, with his possessions and the women and the people. And after his return from defeating Keter Lamer and the kings with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham at the valley of Shavah. Verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And verse 19 says he blessed him. Melchizedek blessed Abraham and he said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, who possesses heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything that he'd won in the spoils of war. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons. Um, notice the first words of the king of Sodom. Give me. Yeah. He evidently didn't even go to war with Abraham to rescue his own people. Not very impressive. Verse uh, 22, But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've lifted my hand to the Lord, the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, but I will not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that's yours, lest you should say, I made Abraham rich. Well, if you've been following us these last few weeks, we inserted our Easter message last Sunday, but we've been in a series on the highlights of Genesis, and this is definitely one of the highlights. This mysterious figure named Melchizedek. We've learned that Abraham came down by God's call from Ur, or what is modern-day Iraq, down into the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel. And after a brief lapse of faith down in Egypt, he, he came, and came back and, re, and rebuilt his altar that he had there in chapter 13 and developed a worshiping community. His name, Bethel. You all remember that? 
in uh, chapter 13, verse 3, Bethel, the place where his tent was at the beginning, and the place where he made an altar and called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham has developed this community of faith and prayer. There's an altar there. Bethel means house. Beth is house. And El is what? God. Shortened form of Elohim. So it's he had a house of God and an altar and hundreds that live in that community. Well, his nephew Lot abandoned that worshiping community and moved to Sodom. And some raiders, bandits, had come down from the north and attacked Sodom and Gomorrah, defeated them, and took all their possessions and all the people back as captives back up north. And Abraham heard about it and got his people together and went up and surprised them and fought against them and defeated them and rescued Lot and all the people of Sodom and brought them back. So the king of Sodom, who evidently was hiding out, (laughs) he comes out to meet Abraham and says, just give me the people. You keep all the goods. Abraham says, no, I don't want anything from you. And then you have another figure who comes out, Melchizedek, and blesses Abraham, and Abraham tithes to it. The king of Sodom, or the king of Salem, it says that in verse 18, Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Now, probably most of you would know this is a, a similar to the word shalom, and uh, is probably the, a reference to Jerusalem. Psalm 76 calls Jerusalem Salem in Psalm 76 verse 2. And the reason that it's called later Jerusalem is because of the Jerusites live there. So they combined, it's just Jeru and Shalom and Jerusalem. And that's how they get it later. But here it's called Salem or peace. Now in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there you come across these events or people who uh, Bible scholars call types or pictures of New Testament truth, particularly New Testament gospel For example, a lamb. Well, that would be considered a type of Christ who died on the cross, the lamb taking away our sins. Melchizedek is a type of Christ as our high priest. His name, Melchi, means king and 
tzedek means righteousness. He lived in, in peace, shalom. So righteousness and peace. This king, he was also a priest. So Melchizedek is a picture for learning students. This, you teach people learning to read, you teach them through pictures. So we can learn about Christ through Melchizedek. And how is Melchizedek a picture of Christ? Let me give you three or four things. Number one, Melchizedek is a priest and a king. He combines the offices. Now, you probably know this, but it's not safe for a sinner made of dirt to just walk boldly and brashly into the presence of a holy God. So we need a mediator. Exodus 20, verse 18 and 19, when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, it says, when all the people saw the thunder, the flashes of lightning, and the trumpet sound, and the smoking mountain, then everybody was afraid, and they trembled and stood far off. And they said to Moses, okay, you speak to us. We will listen but do not let God speak to us because we will die. That's Exodus 20, verse 18 and 19. In other words, they're saying, wow, this is, this is way over our head. His majesty is too great for us to endure. We need someone to be between us. And Moses, you can do that. You, you, you be the go-between, the mediator. So a mediator is needed by sinful men. Well, here Melchizedek comes and it says he is a priest of, of God Most High, verse 18. And he blessed Abraham. So the first thing we see about Melchizedek is he's he combines this priest and kingly offices into one. And so let's just say this and then move on. But 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one way to God. One person mediates through his merit and his works and his grace, God mediates all this through the person of Jesus Christ. So I don't need to remind you that he doesn't do it through Buddha or Muhammad or even Mary, the mother of Jesus. Amen, church? So there's... I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That's just not one time. That's all the time. So he's priest and king. Second, he has no obvious beginning or ending. See, this is a picture of Christ. So 
So Moses writing this omits his genealogy, his ancestry. We don't know where he came from. And we don't know where he went to after this. Now here's what Hebrews 7 verse 1 says. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. Hebrews 7 verse 3. He's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but he resembles or pictures the Son of God. How does Melchizedek picture Christ? First, by his priest and king. And second, he has no obvious beginning or ending. This is, this is picturing Christ. That Christ had no beginning. He was preexistent. He's eternal. And when he ascended back to heaven, he's everlasting. He's never going to change. And so Melchizedek... Uh, Moses omits, when he's writing this, he omits any reference to where he came from or where he went to. His lack of history on earth is by design. God inspired certain information to be absent from the Bible. That's part of inspiration. It's what God leaves out. A third likeness to Christ... is he brought out bread and wine. You see that in verse 18? Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, <laughs> that should be a clue. What is bread and wine? Well, in Mark 14, Jesus eating the Last Supper with his disciples, he says, he took bread and gave it to them and said, This is my body broken for you. Then it says he took a cup of wine, gave it to them and said, This is my blood shed for you. Bread and wine. The symbols of the new covenant and the Lord's Supper right here in Genesis 14 by Melchizedek. You almost, you could say, if Abraham's an example of the believer, which Paul says in Romans 4 that he is, father of all them that believe, Melchizedek's an example or a prototype of Christ. And here's bread and wine. So you have the church having communion service with Christ. Right here in Genesis 14. What an amazing thing. Here's number four likeness to Christ. And that is... He mediated the blessing to Abraham, or he delivered the blessing. God promised to bless Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 and, and 2. Well, here he says in verse 19, And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham. He is the mediator of the blessings of God to believers on earth. Everything comes through Christ. Everything. And when Abraham tithed 
to Melchizedek, it says in verse 20, the last statement, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. He was giving him a tenth or a tithe of what he had won in that battle. And by that tithe, he was acknowledging that it is the intercession of the priesthood of Melchizedek that brought him that victory. So why would not he tithe? It was the recognition and the confirmation of legitimacy of that priesthood. He was saying to Melchizedek, your God blessed me through you. I acknowledge it with this tithe. That you are the conduit, the mediator of my blessings. Now there is a bit of a problem. This is why you have the so much publicity in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews for Melchizedek because the early church had a problem. Here's the problem. In Deuteronomy 10.8 it says the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark and stand before the Lord and to bless in his name. Levi and the Levites were the tribe through whom God would mediate the blessings. Deuteronomy 21.5 The priests who are sons of Levi shall come forward for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and bless in the name of the Lord. Well, <clears throat> so here's what the early church would say. The early church would say, we don't need all those sacrifices now. Jesus is our sacrifice. We don't need the priesthood of Levi. Jesus is our priest, our high priest. We pray to God through him. We worship God through him. He bless, God blesses us through him. Why do we need the Levites? And the objection would be, ah, Jesus is of the tribe of Judah and is therefore not a legitimate priest. That would be their objection. And the retort from the early Christians was, that is true. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe. But there was a priesthood back in the Old Testament which preceded the Levites by 500 years. And that priesthood was so powerful that Abraham tithed to him and acknowledged his legitimacy. The Melchizedek order of priesthood. That's what Hebrews 7 is about. And so the Jewish objectors would say, hmm, let me look that up. Yeah, Abraham tied to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek had no earthly genealogy. But he was a legitimate priest. 
as recognized by Abraham and his tithe. Now here's what Hebrews 7 verse 19 says. The law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. This, this way we draw near to God, the Christian. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were priests without an oath. But this one, Melchizedek, was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord is sworn, will not change his mind, you're a priest forever. Uh, put, uh, can you give me Psalm 110, verse 1 and 4? Can you put that up there? Look at what this says. This is Psalm 110. All right. Psalm 110 and verse... Now, y'all should remember this psalm because we preached on it last Sunday. I'm not going to give you a test on it, but I hope you remember. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, that is, the Father said to the Son, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So he's sitting because his work is finished. He's also sitting enthroned because he's a king and a priest. He's a priest on his throne. Now look at verse 4. And the Lord has sworn, Psalm 110, verse 4, He will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Did you know that Jesus has an eternal priesthood? And let me say this. God is never going to go back to a Levitical priesthood. There's not going to be a, I mean, there might be a rebuilt temple, but it's not going to matter because God's not going to restore Judaism and old covenant sacrifices and the priesthood from Aaron and the Levites. He's not going back to that. He swore an oath, Psalm 110 verse 4. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now he says in Hebrews 7.20, Hebrews 7.21, this one was made a priest with an oath. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever. And then also he says, Hebrews 7.23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death. They always died. So they were prevented from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. If you come to God through Christ, now don't worry about the rain. It's, it's nice. Just don't let it put you to sleep. But here's the question. If you come to God through Christ, did you know that He never dies? He never sins? He never changes? 
His priesthood is eternal. Here's why this is important. Have you ever thought about when you get to heaven that you might sin? What if you got to heaven and got mad at somebody? You say, I wouldn't do that. Well, Satan got kicked out of heaven. So, are we safe in heaven? Listen, Christ has a permanent priesthood that never changes. When you come to God through him, he saves to the uttermost. That means as long as far as you can think is how far Jesus saves. You are secure through Christ's priesthood. His prayers on your behalf. His merit on your behalf. His mediatorship on your behalf. Christ is your security. And I'll say this. You are as secure through Christ here on earth as you will be when you get to heaven because you're not going to change merit. You're not going to change priest. He's still the basis of your salvation whether you're here or whether you're there. <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> Praise God. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us didn't sin before the sun goes down. Is that possible? <laughs> Let me ask your wife if it's possible. Your children. All right. So here's what Hebrews 7, 3 says. So he resembles, Melchizedek resembles the Son of God. And his priesthood continues forever. Do you see, Hebrews 7, 4, do you see how great this man is to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his Lord? Have you seen how great this man is? That's what we want. In John 1, 3, it says that through him, Christ, all things are made. Everything that you have is made by him. Through Christ, all things were made. And without him was not anything made that has been made. Some weeks ago, I was driving down Bristol Road and I don't know why I decided to do it but I just I closed my right eye and when I did I couldn't see anything I was absolutely blind as a bat and so naturally I opened it back up but it scared me and I went to the optometrist first thing the next day I was as soon as I could get in. And they said, yes, Mr. Redmire, you have a cataract. And it's a big one. And I didn't even know that. I had glasses. I thought I was functioning fairly normal. But I could not see anything out of my left eye. So they scheduled me for surgery. And I went in. 
I had surgery, and the doctor came in, and he said, uh, I think we're good to go. Took the patch off my eye, and you know what? I was like, wow. That's the most beautiful doctor i ever seen in my life. The nurses, the lights, the colors. It's like I had gone from a little 13-inch black and white TV that was so staticky that you couldn't pick up anything on, just blurry. And suddenly I had been given a high-definition widescreen TV. That was my eye. My thought was, we don't realize what a blessing vision is. Being able to see. Again, through him, all things are made. Did you know he gave you vision? God blessed you with vision, but that was mediated through Christ, through his merits. His, his merit earned you sight and hearing and mobility and favor for, from employers and vocations and vacations and all that God mediates through Christ, it all comes through Him. And so when we come to the end of a week and we give our praises to God and and the Lord Jesus Christ, we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for mediating all this to me, earning it for me, and carrying the blessing of God to me. Here's my tithe. Here's my confirmation and validation of your priesthood. Here is my testimony to you. And that's what we have right now. Brethren, our Melchizedek is in our presence. Like Abraham, let's give him our tithe today. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your blessings to us.